This is the Get a Game Plan podcast hosted by the Louisiana Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness, our GOSEP. I'm Mike Steele, the Communications Director for GOSEP. Thank you for joining us. The 2019 Atlantic hurricane season begins in less than three weeks, and we will be sharing information today to help protect you and your family. And when we think of hurricane coverage on TV, one of the first names many people think of is Jim Cantori. We are honored to have him join us in a few minutes for some insight on the upcoming hurricane season and recent weather events. We will also talk about some of the planning process for the Weather Channel as the network sends crews to the Gulf Coast and other areas of the country impacted by weather. Before we get started with our interviews, we like to begin each episode with an emergency preparedness tip. Today, we want to urge everyone to be financially ready for the start of hurricane season. Obviously, this step may be a challenge based on your income level, but hopefully it's something everyone can knock out as soon as possible. What exactly are we talking about? First, start an emergency savings fund. If you face an emergency, you may need a few extra dollars for things like a hotel, critical home repairs, or insurance deductibles. Next, check your insurance policies to make sure you have enough coverage. The start of hurricane season is a great time to schedule an insurance checkup with your agent. It's good to have a clear understanding of what your insurance covers and any gaps needed to be addressed. One thing we here at GOSEP recommend is getting flood insurance. Flooding is the number one weather-related threat in Louisiana. Even if you don't live in a flood zone, it's always a great idea to have flood insurance. Learn more about flood insurance by visiting www.floodsmart.gov. That's today's preparedness tip. Now on to our first interview. Jim Cantori is one of the most recognized faces in weather. Known for his live reports from severe weather events, Cantori has had a remarkable career with the Weather Channel. He has covered every major weather event for the past 30 years, including Hurricanes Katrina and Irene and Superstorm Sandy, solidifying his role and the role of the Weather Channel as the leading source for severe weather coverage. Cantori is well known for his animated, tenacious style, both in the field and in the studio. Sir, we appreciate you taking a few moments with us today. Thanks for having me, man. It's, it's always good. It's always a good time to talk about hurricane season and prep and and what you're going to do uh, should the the next one arrive, and we know that'll happen, right? Absolutely. Now, one of the first things uh, we had to do was work through at the time of our recording is a, a severe weather threat across the South. Of course, you have been a part of that coverage again today. Have you noticed anything this this spring that's out of the ordinary as far as the number of storms or the intensity? Uh, we are stuck in a pattern where, you know, these systems are ejecting in pieces out of the southwest after, you know, allowing the atmosphere to get super soaked. So you're getting, you know, prolific rainfall rates. Yesterday in Wichita, the day before in Houston, you know, this morning in Louisiana, we're getting a lot of what we call nocturnal tornadoes. Mm. So they're happening late in the day, overnight. It's just kind of a kind of a weird but very active pattern. Absolutely. So it's been several weeks for us, and uh, it seems like every couple of days we have something coming. Yeah, I mean, there's, think about it. You go back to the beginning of the year, I mean, that's not just, you know, Louisiana, but I mean, 
so many people, have, you know, it's like here comes the weekend, but here comes another wet pattern again. Uh, the Northeast is experiencing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it just it seems to be wet every weekend. And kind of switching gears back to hurricane season, tell us what it's like for you guys as far as the network is concerned uh, from a planning standpoint. How do you guys develop a strategy as storms threaten the U.S.? Well, I mean, you know, we're going to basically, uh, I think what's changed since you and I met back during Rita in, in the, the, the earlier 2000s, you know, you're talking about instead of going out and doing a shot at the top and then going in and coming out at the bottom and doing another one. Now you're essentially anchoring from the field. Mm -hmm. So it's much more dangerous to be outside. It's much harder on you and your crew, especially, I mean, you know, I can't imagine being out there with camera, especially walking around. I mean, those guys are incredible. Um, so it's, it's much more dangerous. So, you know, for me, at times, especially when we're in the middle of a potential debris field, don't be surprised to see me with body armor on. That kind of leads into my next question. In my old days as a reporter, I was able to work with you after Rita and some of the other bigger storms that, that impacted Louisiana. Uh, and I've seen how you guys select some of the spots that you report from and some of the safety steps you take. Can you explain to the public how that process works? Do you have kind of predetermined locations as you, as you go into some of these areas that are that are kind of in the bullseye? You know, the, the, let's put it this way. The later we go out scarier it can be because everything's shutting down you know hotels especially if you're going to be at ground zero i mean let's face it hotels and resorts are closing up everything they're shutting down completely because they know that you know to have to have doors to have operations to have people walking outside uh is a risk to them liability wise so they would rather just not have it sometimes they will stay open for media uh, which is incredible and it helps us out a lot. But oftentimes when they shut down, the later we get to the game, the more dangerous it is where where we wind up with a place that probably wouldn't be my first choice. And what about first responders? Are you ever concerned that maybe they won't be there for you guys as you're out in the field? I mean, I'm always concerned about that, but not so, you know, for, for us, uh, hopefully we're taking the right steps to, to get out of harm's way. At least we, that's what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. But that for other people who, who who don't leave and who, let's say, are in the surge zone or don't have a safe enough structure to handle winds, let's say 130, 140 miles an hour, uh, the, the, I'm, I'm, you know, it's I hate seeing first responders get in harm's way mm-hmm. because they got to go out after somebody who really probably should have left. If, if we get into a situation, we better be able to handle it ourselves. At least that's that's the way I look at it. Gotcha. Uh, if I could pick your brain on, on this for a moment. Now, Louisiana and, and a lot of other, other states have made tremendous improvements since Katrina and some of the other bigger events uh, over the past few years. But do you see areas that, that maybe the public and emergency managers need to focus on kind of going into the future? You know, I, I think there's areas that haven't been tested. Like like what happens if we've got a, a, a Cat 4 coming to the north of Tampa, like on a due west track, something you could easily get especially in late season, you know, Miami was, was certainly threatened. Uh, you saw the kind of the massive flooding they had in Irma and they weren't even in the path eventually of it. But I think the fact that they were initially in the direct path mm-hmm. means that they aired better than they would have, let's say if they weren't in the cone initially. I, I mean, it's hard. The cities are bigger. They're more spread out. I mean, look at Houston, mm-hmm. my God, 
I mean, they're, they're dealing with a front today where, uh, you know, it's going to sit over them essentially for the next three days. <laughs> so, I, I mean, you know, they're, they're very flood prone. Anytime you get rates of rain that are over two inches per hour. So that to me is, is how do you get to people that need your assistance? I mean, you literally need rescue boats as part of your arsenal. It needs to be a massive part of your arsenal. So yeah. I mean, it's, it's up to each city to plan better. Uh, you know, South Carolina, we saw with Matthew uh, back in 2016 and then uh, Florence uh, last year, you know, the their evacuation plan seems to be one of the earliest. Mm-hmm. You know, Nikki Haley wasn't afraid to back in 2016 to pull the string early at five days ahead of any potential landfall and say, all right, let's go get out of here, get off the coast, which can, you know, sometimes help you and hurt you. But the cone and, and certainly the track. Uh, guidance has gotten a lot better. Mm. I think at five days, you're still taking a little bit of a chance, but you know, that, that just tells you the massive undertaking that you need to do on the coast. I mean, every, you know, everybody doesn't need to get on the interstate all at once, but inevitably that kind of happens. And we try to talk to people, uh, you know, about that all the time. Unfortunately, some people have jobs and everything where it's not as easy for them to get away as, as early as possible. But uh, Right. And, and, the, and the other thing is, is they don't want to leave because they don't know when they're going to come back. That's right. And they don't want, you know, they want to protect their property and they have no way of doing that if they can't get out. You know, when do they turn the gas back on? Is that going to be even a possibility to turn it back on? You know, and obviously, the stronger the hurricane threat, the uh, the harder it is mm-hmm. to to plan to plan for that, right? Because you don't know how much infrastructure is going to take a hit uh, along the, the path. Yeah, and we try to talk to people about that. And, you know, you may get out sooner, and and it may be unnecessary. You know, in some cases, but it also means you're not stuck in traffic. You know, for hours at a time trying to get from. South Louisiana to Central Louisiana, or, or whatever the case may be. And when you and I met in Rita, you remember what happened? How many people died in the evacuation? That's right. Versus the actual hurricane itself. Yep, and and so. that's definitely a concern. Uh, one of the things that we try to talk to people, you know, about continuously too is is trying to make sure that you have. Uh, you know, your vehicle inspected, make sure it's ready to go, especially if you're traveling with someone with health, you know, concerns and that type of thing. Uh, you know, we try to get that message out as well. It, it has to be a way of life when you live um, in, a, in a hurricane threat zone. It just has to be a way of life because, you know, we, we can get into a period where maybe there are two or three threats that start to line up in late August and September where, you know, you, you may have to evacuate a few times. I remember the four hurricanes that we had in Florida, you know, Francis, Jean, Ivan, um, and Charlie, I mean, that was like every, they were evacuating every other weekend mm-hmm. or, or at least prepping for a hurricane. So, I mean, that's just that's kind of a way of life. And I think in order to live in paradise, sometimes you have to have to accept that. Yeah. I, I actually think all the time you have to accept that. And one of the things that we've noticed, too, you mentioned the technology improving as far as the forecasting and the tracking and that type of thing. Uh, we've kind of altered some of our training here in Louisiana as well. Uh, you know, these no-notice or short-notice events, you know, with major flooding or, or severe storms like we've seen over the past couple of weeks, we've kind of geared more towards those events because in some cases those are kind of hard harder to plan for uh than hurricanes are do you see that from the network standpoint as far as you know how you guys attack a situation 
Absolutely. Some of this stuff catches off us off guard. I mean, you, you kind of look at things from a probability standpoint. Uh, in other words, what's the, the most likely scenario? And what range is that? Let's say it's going to be one to two inches. But, you know, for example, tell the folks in Houston that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, with, with what they dealt with the other day when they had double digit rainfall down in Sugarland and north in Kingswood. Uh, so, you know, all of a sudden, there, I mean, there was certainly a chance with the kind of water in the atmosphere, but it was a very low probability that that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So now here we are facing, you know, a situation where all of a sudden this front's going to stall out. It's going to sit right over them and boom. I mean, the, the, the probabilities of a much higher rainfall are there. So, you know, it, it was really, you know, this time period where we were looking at that. And how do you, how do you just, you know, get that message out to people? How do you relay that message? And it's hard sometimes because it gets kind of sciencey and it gets a little, uh, you know, bogged down. And, and, and I, I'm, I've always been the one who takes the avenue of, look, at, I'm not afraid to be wrong. Mm-hmm. You can, you can blame me. Well, Cantori said there was a good chance of eight to 10 inches of rain. Well, you know what? There, if I say that, there probably is a good chance. If it doesn't happen, great. Yeah, that's great right. Great that it happened. But, I, but, you know, I'm not doing my job if I don't tell you that. Yeah. If I don't tell you there's actually a, a part of that answer or that part of the equation for the outcome is a, a high likelihood of very heavy rainfall over a short period of time. And, you know, speaking with our local meteorologists and the people here uh, in Louisiana, that's something they struggle with as well because you don't want to, you know, cry wolf, but you don't want to have people unprepared at the same time. So it's such a fine line trying to balance that message out. Um, and right. I've, I've noticed over the past couple of years, it seems like there's more, like like these lines that we've had impact Louisiana over the past couple of weeks, it seems like the messaging went more from, trying to be exact with the forecast to say, like, look, there are going to be problems overall in these areas. You know, we just don't know exactly where, you know, to to try and pinpoint exactly where the problems are going to be. So uh, that's something we hope the public, you know, can help us work through as well. Right. So what you're probably seeing from the meteorologists there and whoever's communicating that message is a higher confidence uh, in what the outcome may be. And also, you know, you have to look at the pre-existing conditions mm-hmm. back in, back in 2016, they had tremendous rainfall in Eastern North Carolina before Matthew came in. And then here comes a front that stalls and here comes a hurricane that comes in and essentially dissolves itself right on that front. So where many people evacuated to, um, to get out of harm's way, unfortunately had to be rescued because they had more issues with where they were evacuated to in the rainfall than they did with the hurricane. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what I'm talking about earlier. You know, if you leave too early, there's, there's sometimes other issues that, that can kind of crop up. So you, and that's the thing we find with people is once they make that decision, they either kind of do stay or don't leave. It's one of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael last year was a, one of those hurricanes that kind of snuck up in terms of intensity I mean, there was a, you know, it was one of those things where there's a very small probability. Even me, when I went out, I thought, okay, this thing's going to be at the worst, a a strong cat one. But then as I'm out there, I'm thinking, you know, it it became more apparent that, you know what, maybe this thing could be a two or a three Mm -hmm. And, and look at, look at what it wound up being a five. All right. So, you know, that's one thing we still struggle with, uh, our, 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 intensity forecasts and these late developers 
that are developing as they're coming on shore, which for those people who made their decision three or four days before the whole storm hit, holy smoke, they had no idea what's hitting them. And by that time, if you have to leave last minute, everything's shut down. There's no place to go. Gas, you're not going to find gas. You're not going to find a place to go to. So, you know, we, we still have work to do in intensity forecasting. Yeah. A lot of work. Gotcha. And so as people get ready for this hurricane season, are there is there anything, you know, atmospheric-wise, we try to tell people, you know, don't get locked in on the on the projected totals and that type thing because one system hitting Louisiana the right way can cause a lot of problems. But is there anything, you know, atmospheric-wise or anything you can tell us that you see, you know, kind of going into this season? The whole reason for seasonal forecasts is for mariners and shipping. That's what, it, that's what it was developed for, and that's really what it's used for. There's absolutely zero skill in the landfall part of that. Uh, the only time you can kind of hone in potentially on landfall is, is when a pattern sets up. Let's say let, let, let's say we get a pattern where um, you know, there's going to be a big high off the East Coast. It's going to bring everything maybe further south into the Gulf. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, sometimes you can see that and you can and usually, you know, in September, those those kind of things can can kind of lock in. Um, but even that I would not be willing to say, uh, OK, well, you know, if anything develops now, it's going to have to go this way. I mean, sometimes I will say that, but it's it's very rare. And it's only when I see something in the later season that I have an idea of where it's going. But in terms of seasonal forecast at this stage of the game it is for marine and, and shipping interests uh sure simple probabilities is the higher number that we have out there the better chance that we get some uh this year's forecasts are for slightly below average but what if every one of them hits the united states that's right <laughs> okay that's, that's a big year that's a really big year and that's one of the concerns we have when people you know, kind of approach us like, oh, they say it's going to be a slow year, you know, but we try to tell people. Yeah, see, that's, you know. that's a disaster right out of the gate. So so think about what happens with the mindset. It, it's going to be a slow year. So I don't need to have a, a plan in place. Maybe I don't need to go get these uh, these supplies before the season. I can hold off because it's going to be a slow year. And, you, you, you know, that, that, that type of message, or at least not message, but comprehension of that message is, is a disaster for us. Mm-hmm. It really is. Absolutely. So as far as the network is concerned, uh, going into the season, I know you guys do a lot of uh, special programming and everything. Anything planned this year that we should kind of be on the lookout for? Yeah, we're going to do a two-day thing um, on June 1st and 2nd. Of course, for the first is the official start of the Atlantic hurricane season. And we're going to be live in Mexico Beach and Panama City and uh, also New Bern and Lumberton, North mm-hmm. Carolina, which were areas hard hit yet last year by Florence and, and Michael. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about how, you know, how did this thing get upgraded to a, to a Category 5 from a high-end Cat 4? Dr. Nab's going to be out there with us. Uh, Creek Stewart, who, who's our survival guy, he's going to tell us, you know, what you can do. He's going to demonstrate things that, uh, you know, if you do plan on sheltering in place, how do you save yourself? How do you survive some of these some of these floods and the water's rising in your home, things like that? Danny Lipford will be there. You know, he's, he's a guy who talks a lot about home prep. Uh, you know, what can you do? What should you do with your family during these kind of things? And, you know, building codes. Have we come far enough in, in the world of building codes? And hopefully we'll get to talk to somebody with the Federal Alliance of Safe Homes 
uh, on that issue and, and certainly what's being done about it, because that's always the big thing. Are we building a better mousetrap? Are there places we shouldn't build? You know, um, if we're going to build back, you know, what what should we build like? Should we build to withstand? I mean, I've always been of the of the mindset, look, you got to build to your natural disaster mm-hmm. wherever you are. I mean, I even think here in Atlanta where I live, you know, you, we should tie down. Uh, we should have uh, hurricane straps on our roofs. I think that should be standard building protocol because of the kind of gusts of wind that you can get, not only for severe storms, but hurricanes like Opal mm-hmm. that happened way back, uh, you know, in the 19, uh, 1990s where these things are coming on shore and they're developing and they're accelerating. So by the time it gets up to Atlanta or Birmingham, all of a sudden you've got something that hasn't wound down yet. Yeah. And you wind up with tremendous damage because of the wind energy. So there, there, there's all sorts of lessons to be learned and taught. And that's what we're hoping to accomplish uh, out in the field on June 1st and 2nd. And, you know, after the flooding we had back in 2016 with those two major floods that hit the state, that's another thing we try to encourage people to uh, understand is, you know, a lot of people think about our state agency and think about us as like the hurricane guys or, or you know, associate us with hurricanes a lot. But flooding is our number one threat. So like you said, mm-hmm. sometimes those outside circumstances are what we try out to make people understand, you know, that can happen any time of the year. It doesn't have to be associated with a, uh, with a tropical threat. Well, and look at, uh, what was it? I think it was August, 2016. It's hard for me to remember all these, mm-hmm. all these things because I've, I've done 98 of these <laughs> right, things. Right. But, but August, 2016, there wasn't even a named storm. It wasn't even a depression. That's right. And that thing sat over Baton Rouge and, and just crushed them. I mean, with rainfall. So it had a tropical connection. It certainly looked like a duck. It walked like a duck, but you know, it wasn't uh, uh, enough of a, of a tropical entity to even get a name. But the, tr- the 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 kind of rainfall that we got certainly was like an Allison. Was like was like a Harvey, where it just sat there and dumped and dumped and dumped. Mm-hmm. So you know what we find, uh, Mike, is if we don't have a name, it's so much harder to communicate the message. <laughs> Absolutely, that's right. Uh, you right? just don't, I mean, you don't get that level of interest from people when it's not no. not a name storm. That's right. Especially this day and age, the social media. If you can't hashtag it, uh, I'm not interested. You know, I mean, and that is hard. That is hard to overcome. But um, we have to make people realize that even as stuff weakens, or if it's not a Cat Five like Michael, it still has problems. I mean, I can tell you, I've covered 98 of these in my life. Some have been duds but some have been prolific monsters Mm -hmm. and every one of them is different. Mm -hmm. Every one of them has different nuances. So it's about communicating the impacts. Well, one of the things that we appreciate is a lot of people may not realize this, but there is a lot of communication with the people in our office and the people that are producers and, and, you know, behind the scenes people with your network. Uh, and they are always very helpful. Anytime we have any messaging we need to get out, you know, there's kind of a constant, uh, line of communication. We have some great meteorologists here in the state as well. And so when you can get that cooperation, you know, with everyone working together, but we really do appreciate the enthusiasm that you personally and, and your network uh, take to covering these storms. I mean, I hope that the whole weather enterprise knows that, um, sure, we're all in this to get the best forecast out individually, but at the end of the day, we are all on the same team. Mm-hmm. You, me, uh, the first police and, and, and fire, we're all on the same team um, because we, we, we know that we got to prep everybody. We got to get as many as we can out of harm's way. We know we have to go through the event and then there's going to be recovery. Mm-hmm. And 
and, and so that that's kind of what we we get ready for mentally and really all play together on the same team for. You bet. Well, again, we appreciate it. We'll look for that programming uh, as we approach the start of hurricane season. And thank you so much for taking time out with us today. My pleasure, man. I, I, I know it's it's a beautiful place to come to, but I'm thinking you probably don't want to see me there yeah. in the summer. <laughs> That's usually the way it goes. So. That's usually the way it goes. Thank you again. All right, Mike. All right. You got it, brother. Now we'll move to the emergency resource segment for this episode. With hurricane season approaching, we encourage everyone to download the free Get a Game Plan app. The Louisiana Get a Game Plan app is the official emergency preparedness mobile app provided by the Louisiana Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness. This app allows Louisiana residents a way to access emergency information and get prepared prior to an emergency happening. Users can prepare customized emergency plans, review the Louisiana Emergency Preparedness Guide, and get up-to-date information about evacuations. The app even allows you to notify family and friends that you are safe in the event of an emergency. That is today's resource segment. Moving on to our second interview, Kelly Connolly is a public information officer with the Louisiana Department of Revenue. The department is helping share some important information regarding hurricane preparedness. Kelly, thank you for joining us. What steps are you asking the public to take as we start the hurricane season? Thanks for having us on today, Mike. Yeah, there are a couple steps that um, taxpayers can take to really minimize the hardship and confusion in the aftermath of a storm. The first thing we recommend is to place paper records um, that are vulnerable to water damage in um, airtight containers or Ziploc closure bags to keep them out of harm's way. But um, something that you can do that's going to you know, take it a, one step further to keep those records protected is to scan them in to have them in electronic format. Things like tax returns, payroll records, insurance documents. And once you scan them in, you can put them on portable storage media like um, flash memory drives. But even better than that, is to upload those electronic records into cloud storage. That way they can be um, accessed from anywhere that has internet access. You know, that's great advice. A lot of times people think about those things when it comes to like pictures and everything, but it's also mm -hmm. important to do that with, you know, all of your important documents uh, because there's so many different ways to, uh, to do that now with, you know, with thumb drives and with other devices. Uh, it's really a lot easier than it used to be. Mm -hmm. And you're really going to want to have those documents handy in the aftermath of a storm when you might be um, applying for recovery. Um, another thing that will help you with that is if you compile like a room-by-room -room list of your belongings and business equipment, um, you might want to photograph or videotape the contents of your home or business, especially items of high value. That will really go a long way when you're filing an insurance claim. Absolutely. And that's another step, you know, because of cell phones and some of the other technology out. Again, that step is is much easier. You know, these these things really hit home when you go back to like the 2016 floods. We talked mm -hmm. to a number of people 
maybe they were part of a generation that wasn't used to that type of technology, but a lot of them did take their important paperwork and everything and, and put them in like a tote box or something. And if right. you put them in the top of a closet or maybe up in your attic someplace where they may be uh, safe, even if we face another flood, you know, uh, it, it's a great step to have and just makes recovery that much easier. Right. And if you have access to a scanner, I can't emphasize enough. Like if you, if you plan ahead and you take the time to scan in those documents now, it will really help you in the long run when you can easily access them wherever you are in case you have to evacuate. Now you might not be able to get back into that attic where the paper hard copies are. Absolutely. And, yeah. um, so what exactly uh, should people do if they want to find out more information from you or from the department? Uh, what are some of the resources you guys have available to help with that? You know, following a disaster, the department will provide information on potential tax deductions or credits. Uh, maybe filing extensions might come into play or other tax-related relief. So you want to keep an eye on www.revenue.louisiana.gov. You can also find us on Twitter at LA Revenue. One word. Well, thank you so much. You know, again, we're, we're just a few days away from the start of hurricane season, but in Louisiana, uh, you know, even with these severe weather threats we've had over the past couple of weeks, you know, you just never know when you may be facing an emergency. So this is great information. And uh, thank you for providing that for us today. Great. Thank you so much for having me on, Mike. Thank you for joining us for our Get a Game Plan podcast. Please encourage others to share this resource and subscribe. We want to thank Jim Cantori with the Weather Channel and Kelly Connolly with the Louisiana Department of Revenue for joining us today. Don't forget to check out the resources we mentioned today to help you and your business finalize an emergency plan. You can find out more information on getagameplan.org. Also, don't forget, now through the end of May, you can add your digital driver's license for free here in Louisiana. This may help you validate your ID during an emergency. Visit LAWallet.com for more information. We also want to thank the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, or LOPA, for use of their studio. Sign up to be an organ donor today. Find out more at DonateLifeLA.org. They have a great podcast titled The Gifted Life Podcast. For more on most of the topics we talked about today, go to GetAGamePlan.org. And don't forget to follow GOSEP on Facebook and Twitter. Remember, get a game plan. On behalf of the staff at GOSEP, thanks for joining us. We'll have a new episode available next month. This podcast is produced in partnership with LOPA and the Gifted Life Podcast. Find out more about organ, eye, and tissue donation by listening to the Gifted Life Podcast at thegiftedlife.org or download it from your favorite podcast app.